I remember uh, when our daughter was, I don't know, five or six, and we had a playroom. And you know what playrooms can get like. And I told her I wanted her to clean it up. And so she goes in there, and a little bit later, I kind of hear something. I come in there, and here she is sitting in the middle of the floor, just crying. You know, and she said, I don't know where to start. You know, and she, she just was overwhelmed by it. And uh, so um, what we did is we started with one toy. And I, you know, I got her going with one toy. That's just one thing, which is the title to this uh, talk. Um, one dollar at a time could also um, get us to our, seems like, overwhelming amount of 88,000. Um, I think there are some parallels in my spiritual life. I'm sure I said in a previous talk that I gave how hard it was for me to get into the Bible way back. And first, I didn't even want to read it. I just wanted to want to read it. And I was showered by desire when I actually asked for help for from the Lord. It started with one verse, which led to another and another. And I did set time to time aside to read, you know, but if something unavoidable or unexpected took that time, I still did one thing. Even if it was for like just a five minute block of time. I, I did it. That, that was my commitment. Well, I believe that Bible studies and devotions are a great way to get into the Bible and learn background to what I'm reading and uh, why it was written in that way. And and I always, you know, like, I have this one called Morning with Jesus, put out my movie that I really, really like. And I have... Um, this one, this is a month behind because George and I share, but this is um, Today in the Word. That really helps me. I've learned an amazing amount of things by doing that. Um, but to me, that's never going to take the place of reading the Bible from front to back, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Exodus, Genesis. How about Revelation? <laughs> I think you could do it if we Genesis Genesis to Revelation, you know, not skipping anything and do it over and over and over again. I realized as I was preparing for this talk that I really have strong feelings about why I or why we need to read the whole Bible and read it more than once. Um, from 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God-breathed. And then in um, Psalm 18.30, my grandmother put this on a wood-burning little thing that I have on my wall. It says, The word of the Lord is flawless. Well, I feel, you know, how will I know what God wants me to do if I don't read his word? Sometimes I have found amazing things in pretty obscure books of the Bible. 
I uh, think we should not only read it, but we should have the words before us. Like um, in Deuteronomy, this is verse 8, eight and then 18 through 21. This is what God said to the Israelites. Observe, therefore, all the commands I am giving you today. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your doorframe of your houses and your gates. Ooh, I'm sure we could think of some contemporary ways to do that other than writing on our foreheads, but um, have, have the words of the Lord around us. Um, there's another story I read about King Josiah. This comes from 2 Kings 22. King Josiah was um, came into as being a king when he was eight years old. But when he was 26, it says he asked his, sec his secretary, Shaphan to uh, to go to the temple and collect money from there so that he could pay the workers who had been laboring on temple repairs. And the high priest was there at the temple. His name was Elkiah. Um, and he said to Shaphan, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. So Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. He came back to Josiah. When the king heard the words from the book of the law, he tore his robes. He didn't even know, know about it, kind of. He, he was supposed to, but he really didn't. And he, um, he had everyone in Jerusalem, the whole place, from a high priest to the least of the people listening to him in the courtyard. And he read. They all stood there, and he read the words of the covenant. And then all the people pledged themselves to that. And you know, really, not only had they forgotten about the book of the law, but they didn't even know what was in it, or they really didn't know it was there, because they didn't read, and so they would have had to have it read to them anyway. And there were, I don't know how many copies there were, you probably know, but hardly any copies. Um, and um, I was thinking, I could envision it was probably in some back corner in the temple behind one of the cherubim. You know, he just happened to find it. Um, but it's kind of like us having a Bible or many Bibles in our home, and we believe them where they are rather than having them out. Now, you know, we have access to the Bible in many forms. I mean, you can listen to it on tape. If you prefer, we can read a version as easy as for us to understand. Um, the bookstore here in Caldwell, I cannot think of her name, the owner. Um, anyway, she helped me find a version um, that was really good for my daughter-in-law and my 10-year-old uh, grandson. It was called the Action Study Bible. and. Uh, it was a good version because my daughter-in-law had said at Christmas time that she had a Bible, but she really didn't understand it. And there's no point in having a Bible that you don't understand. But um, what was I going to say? So anyway, I'm just saying, you know, it's doable to find a Bible that you can read and understand. Um, another thing I like to do, so I know what I've read every day, and uh, I like to keep track, because God brings out new things each time I read it, 
and reread it. And um, what I do in my Bible is once I finish a chapter, I just put a little symbol at the at the beginning of it, and then the next year or next time I read it. I put another symbol, and it's getting kind of messy, so I'm starting to write the last number in the year. But the point is, it keeps me moving forward. Now, about going from cover to cover. You know, I started reading the Bible almost because I thought, you know, that's what you're supposed to do to be a good Christian. I should read the Bible, even if I really didn't want to. And I indeed think some parts are boring, you know, like the specific, like uh, the genealogy, some long list, and the, like things like the specific details on the construction of the tent of the meeting, like in the tabernacle, like you were saying this morning, Ken. It even talks about the color of thread you should be using, you know, and I did and still do think that some part of the Bible is pretty violent and quite gory, you know. Um, I did and do think that some parts are difficult to understand. Or I just think it's hard to read that and take it in. But my comment is you just keep reading one verse at a time. You just keep going. You don't have to. I, I suggest you don't skip it. You know, because I trust God's loving, all-knowing, never-wrong character. You just do it one sentence at a time. You don't discount any of the words. And, you know, you can feel lazy, I think. I have before about reading the Bible. But I say, like I said to myself, this takes discipline. It really does. But we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're not in this endeavor by ourselves. And like it says, all scripture is God-breathed and it's useful for learning from and teaching and everything. And I was thinking that Bev, you know, was saying that if we're going to fish for people, we better know what it says. That's kind of important. Um, you know, another reason, there are lots of reasons, but another reason I think to read the Bible is super important is because um, it's to be holy like God. He tells us, this is in Genesis, he was speaking to Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless. And some versions have perfect. And then um, in Deuteronomy 18, 13, it says, you must be blameless before the Lord your God. Matthew. Jesus is saying, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, how can we possibly strive for perfection, and how can we hope to be holy and do as well if we're not familiar with what's in the Bible, or we just kind of know a few little parts? Um, I feel like um, it's important I mean, it's important to be in a group and talk about the Bible and everything, but listening to someone speak about the Bible is not the same as reading it yourself. You, you just, you can't get it through somebody else. Like, you can't hear someone speak about salvation, and you have salvation. you got to do it. Um, 
it augments our reading most certainly when you talk to other people, but it doesn't replace it. I think that God wants us to be better and better, not just keep the status quo and know some of what he has said to us or have just a bunch of head knowledge, you know, without really engaging. Part of loving the Lord our God with all our mind and heart and our strength and our soul, that's probably the wrong word, um, is we've got we to know what it says, you know. And the really cool thing is, for me, if we keep reading one thing, it becomes a delight. I mean, absolutely. God blesses this, as you well know when you've read. He blesses this over and over again as we read. Now, we're not going to be perfect until we see Jesus, obviously, but we can keep on trying. Um, another thing is when reading, I write in my Bible everywhere. It totally works for me because I don't want to keep all my thoughts and explanations and stuff in a journal. I want it right there when I'm reading. And um, writing my thoughts helps me then when I read it again to remember and locate those aha moments, you know. Um, this is out of Deuteronomy. It says, And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Well, um, I put, I remember, I was looking at this one, and decided I put, but thank you, God, now Jesus is our righteousness. And it just helped me to have that right there and think about it because, um, it's not following a set of rules, and it's important for me to remember that um, I don't earn righteousness. Now, some of you maybe I haven't noticed it, but you may be cringing at the idea of writing in your Bible. I mean, some people they just don't like that, so don't write in it. You know, write it somewhere. I strongly encourage you to write the thoughts that God gives you as you are reading. I just know it helps with understanding and remembering it um, and it helps you see what you were thinking the last time you read it because the cool thing about going through the Bible as you know you read it and you think oh my gosh that really spoke to me and last time you read it maybe you didn't but it did this time um, I uh, let me think here What was I going to do here? Oh, yeah. I have some bookmarkers here, not very many. And what do you know, their dollar bills? They make pretty good bookmarkers. Okay, but here it says um, in Psalm 90, 17, I have it circled in red. It says, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the works of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And then I wrote on the side, he has a plan. He has work for us to do, ordained. Seek his will for me, Linda. Now, that's just like, yeah, remember that, okay? Um, if you could see it, the next one is Psalm 91. And oh my gosh. I've got like stuff written all over here. And it may look like mishmash to somebody else, but it helps my understanding. So, you know, if you don't like to 
do that to your Bible. Well, I'm not saying you, you don't have to, but I just, okay. So I also think, and this has to do with understanding it, I think that there's value in summarizing the book right after you finish a, a chapter. Uh, sometimes it can be, you know, it doesn't have to be some erudite thing, but after Genesis, um, I wrote one, I wrote one thing. I wrote one thing. God is, God always is working for my good and others to accomplish his greater good and glory. I just, that's how it struck me when I did it. And then um, in Exodus, I finished Exodus, and I wrote things like, this is kind of my summary, keep God special, holy, above all, in the center, sides above, below. And, and it reminds me that God is holy and must be acknowledged first in a totally different way than ordinary life and ways of doing things. Because it was here that there was a lot of details about how to do things exactly. We told them the laws and the rules seem petty, but sin is sin. It requires confessing and forgiving. Thank God now we have we have um, can go to God directly Himself and receive forgiveness. Um, you know, so those are the thoughts about all of Genesis that I wrote, and then I've added to it. But that helps me, and I'm saying how I get help by doing this. It helps me to understand it. Um, it just seems like if we just read and think, oh, you know, that makes sense, or we agree with it, and we leave it, and we go on, there won't be as much impact as making it your own, right then and there. Speaking of making it your own, there's another thing I like to do, again, writing in my Bible, but I like to put my name or myself into the words that I read, uh, like Psalm uh, 91, 14 through 16. Now, the word, they didn't use this pronoun, but I did. Because she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue her. I will protect her, for she acknowledges my name. She will call upon me, and I will answer her. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver her and honor Linda. I will show Linda my salvation. You know, I mean, wow, that's really personal. And then I, I said to the side, I put it out there that says he's the only one who can truly say everything's going to be all right. Well, that was my thought for the moment. I The point is here, you know, do whatever you need to do to make that book your book, because it is our book. Um, there was something in our hymnal that John Wesley wrote that says, uh, whether the word be preached or read. And, you know, this sounds like John Wesley. He uses some kind of big words and puts it in a different way, but you can get the idea. Whether the word be preached or read, no saving benefit I gain from empty uh, sounds or letters dead. Unprofitable, all and vain, unless by faith... Thy word I hear and see its heavenly character. Unmixed with faith, 
The scripture gives no comfort, life or light to see, but me in darker, darker slaves, plunged in deeper misery, overwhelmed with nature's sorest ills. The spirit saves, the letter kills. Um, if God enlightened through his word, I shall my kind enlighten or bless, but void and naked of my Lord, what are all the verbal promises? Nothing to me until faith divine inspire and speak and make them mine. Jesus, the appropriating grace, tis thine on sinners to bestow. Open my eyes to see thy face, open my heart to thyself to know, and then I through thy word obtain sure, present, and eternal gain. My God, he really had it right on, you know, and he used really big words in there. Um, but I liked it. You know, what I, um, I I think you understand that these are only my thoughts, but this is how I meditate on the word, like we're told to do um, in Psalm 1. It starts out, Psalm 1 and 2, again, left out scars. Blesses, blessed is the woman who delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law she meditates day and night. I don't know if do it at night, but honestly, but I do. Now remember, don't get me wrong, I do think that reading commentaries and other materials are important to help us understand God's word, but it always seemed intimidating to me when I, when I heard we should read and meditate on the Lord's word and everything. I felt like, well, I, I don't know how to do that. You know, I, I, I thought I had to have a whole bunch of books around me and have a big block of time for me to get anything out of the Bible. But um, just read one thing as you can, um, and don't underestimate your ability to read and understand and read benefits. I mean, don't put yourself down and say, oh, I'm good this, I better read all these books. Um, because we, we can, because God will absolutely help us to do that. Psalm 121, 1 through 2, I love this verse. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And John 14, 25, he said, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I, Jesus, have said to you. And he talks to us in the Bible. You know, so we have been told, and he didn't lie, that we have help to do this. Now, this talk, you know, was mainly about how why I do one thing. Oh, how I do one thing. It might not work for you, but something will work. If you ask the Lord for insight, he will personally, I know, tailor a reading plan for you because you're his and he wants the best for you. And I know the Lord just doesn't want us to keep the status quo on a walk with Christ. Perfection, or as near as we can get to it here on earth, and holiness, and being enthusiastic and effective disciples for Christ is his will for us. But it does not come without discipline and growth and change. The Lord leads us in the ways of righteousness. And so 
I challenge you this year to read God's Word even more than you do now. Because I'm not assuming that you out there do not read the Bible. I know you do. But let's do it more or in a different way. Um, just one thing. Oh, I've got a tongue left. Just one thing. Hmm. I wonder what's in here. Well, how did these one things add up? Let's see. One, three, five, six, seven. Oh, I have seven dollars to add to the disaffiliation. You know what? I've got three more right here. That makes a nice even number. You know, I bet I could make ten dollars a week without busting my budget. Hmm. They are. This is another challenge. So the first one is to read the Bible more. The other one is seeking out ten dollars a week. 